0: Hello and welcome to episode 80 of Inbound Agency Journey. This is Andrew. Thanks for taking time out of your busy day to join us here on the podcast. In this episode, Gray and I are continuing our mini-series talking about the tools that power agencies. And in this episode, we're diving into specifically the tools that power our marketing stack at GuavaBox and in here at Do Inbound. And one cool thing about this episode is I started off thinking like, tools for marketing, okay, HubSpot, and that's about it. But the more time I sat down and thought about it, I thought about our podcast workflow, I thought about our blogging workflow, thought about our video workflow, and through this we realized more and more all the tools that we're actually using and the need for process in all of those tools. So, fun convo here with Gray and I talking all things agency marketing tools. Without further ado, here we go. Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've
1: experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray. Welcome back to Inbound Agency Journey. This week, Andrew and I are bringing you guys episode number 80 of the podcast. Dimmer, it's 80 already. Dang, Gray, that went quick. Yes, sirree, it did. So speaking of going quick, the last two episodes, especially two episodes ago, 78, we were talking about the tools. So this whole uh, last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the tools that we use at Guava Box and how we ran our agency. Um, Also interested in hearing from other people what tools they're using, but wanted to share our tool stack so people could hopefully learn from that. And uh, if nothing else, feel feel validated or superior uh, for whatever tools they're using right now. (laughs) But speaking of quick, two weeks ago we were talking about operations and finance, and we wanted to get through a whole bunch more than that. But uh, we spent we spent about thirty five minutes just just in HR and finance tools and processes. So there's an awful lot to get to.
0: Yeah, this is crazy. Like just brainstorming this list together before recording, and just like reviewing everything that we use. The list just keeps growing and growing. At the at the service, I think okay, marketing. Well, we basically just use HubSpot. But then you start drilling here, and there's a lot of stuff coming together, and it's kind of crazy, all the all the tools you use, all the skills it takes. And then to know that for each one of these tools, there needs to be a documented process that goes with it that says how you use it so that you're not just paying for crap that
1: no one logs into anymore. Come to find out. It's pretty complex. This is a <laughs> uh, classic Pareto principle, too. Like, we do spend 80% of our time in a fifth of these tools, but then we've got all these other ones that are used for special purposes and they are really handy to have. And yeah. those ones, you kind of look at it and you're like, oh, we don't need a process for that. But then you realize, hey, this one only gets used every four weeks, but it's still important to us. It's too easy to forget. So I think documentation is a big deal of this uh, to go along with this and help you make sure that you're not doing things different every time you're doing it or forgetting how to use the tools between them. So Yeah, Exactly. So anyways, today we're going to be talking through our marketing tool stack, what we use on the marketing side. Some of this is there's always bleed over between what you use in one department and what you use in another department. Um, But we'll try and and keep this one primarily marketing focused. So I'll let you lead us off. You mentioned HubSpot. That's what it feels like we use the most on the marketing side. You want to walk through how we use HubSpot and then we'll, we'll roll from there.
0: Yeah, definitely. So we've got our whole site's built on the COS. So we use web pages in HubSpot. We use landing pages in HubSpot. We use forms in HubSpot. HubSpot powers all the marketing automation. So we're leveraging the email tool a lot right there. We're sending out um, any just like manual one-off emails through the database segmented by Persona in there as well. So it's definitely the backbone of our suite, and when we're looking at a lot of tools, we want to make sure that they can connect with HubSpot and talk back and forth there. So that's a that's a big win right there. But we like to leverage personalization a lot with HubSpot, uh, whether it's through our emails or on our landing pages, stuff like that. Um, so we put in we have a, a whole process we call it inbound funnel for getting our essentially our lead nurturing all organized and optimized based on persona. Um, so we've put a lot of time in getting HubSpot set up for that. And a lot of these other tools, Gray, kind of work on creating a more personalized experience or help us get the branding consistent, make cool experiences that way. Um, so HubSpot is really the the bread and butter of what we're doing.
1: Yeah, that's, it feels like we spent a ton of time in there. We'll get to this one probably next week where we're talking about the sales stack that we use. But we also use HubSpot sales. So we've got yeah. HubSpot as a CRM, but also um, pro accounts for, uh, for everyone here to use internally. So that's where all the emails happen. Obviously then you've got access to tools like the meetings tool and documents and some of the other stuff in there. So there's some bleed over between marketing and sales on that side of things. One of the areas, uh, maybe a natural transition here is the reporting side of HubSpot. I think everyone's pretty (laughs) familiar with, not historically been the best and when they decided to improve it they also decided to uh to ask you to pay for that as well hey, shocking you know
0: that move still i'm still I'm stuck, stuck on that
1: it's stupid i paid yep. thousands of dollars already just get over it so in addition to hubspot we use really just very simplified i mean with all the analytics tools out there we really are not using a whole lot we use google analytics and that is kind of our our, uh, our catch-all, make sure that we've got everything tracked, um, and then kind of hold HubSpot accountable for some of the numbers and understand what the differences are. But we use um, Google Analytics. That gives us, uh, I mean, there's so much that you can get out of that that's, that goes beyond what HubSpot brings you. And the other thing that we use is Hotjar. And we use Hotjar for a lot more than, uh, than just the analytics and some of the... I think the most common ways that people are using that is uh, heat maps and yeah. session reporting. But some of the other things with the polls and stuff that they have built in is, is pretty cool as well. So we're using a good handful of that stuff. Andrew, anything you've spent a lot more time in Hotjar than I have run a point on the marketing side of things. Yeah. Anything you want to highlight from what we do with Hotjar that would be helpful for other agencies?
0: yeah i love I love the little polls that they have in there, so you can just insert a poll on a specific page on your site uh, and you can use that to do ask open ended questions if you're curious about how like what what's the search term that somebody used to find a certain blog post or why didn't someone take an action on a page you can you can delay those pop them up uh, play with the branding on them a little bit. So those are really, really powerful to just start collecting feedback from your users. That's what the whole tool is built around is collecting user feedback, whether through survey or through poll or by watching them interact with session recordings. So whenever you're working with clients too, definitely throw Hotjar hot jar on the client account and start recording the sessions because we've been pushing clients more and more to just get a design out the door, start recording the sessions. And then let's make our kind of our V2 observations and decisions based on actual customer data and not just based on marketing team opinions. Uh, We're going through that right now with, we just built a pretty cool resource library for a client and we want to get it out the door and get their, their prospects using it, but it just keeps going back and forth internally, different designs and stuff like that. So um, that's a big win right there with Hotjar. It gives you a a huge feature stack. Um, You know, we had David on the podcast a few weeks ago and he was just awesome laying out the background for that tool and it has an agency, Agency guy's a CEO over there, so definitely check out Hotjar if you're not using it already.
1: Yeah. That's a big one. I know that in the growth driven design community, there's a ton of people who are really high on that one. I think that's a must have. We probably don't need to belabor that point, but I'm a big fan of Hotjar. On the uh like the SEO side of things, for what we're doing and also in client work when we're doing their marketing, we use Screaming Frog a lot, uh an SEO spider to run through, crawl our site or other people's sites and see um what keywords they're targeting what their current performance is like so internally that's just something that is a quick way to grab a whole bunch of records all at once and look and see how we're doing where there are opportunities for improvement and match that up with the hotspot page performance reports to see what's going well what's not going well yeah on the analytics side of things a, a big part of our marketing in addition to so the way that we grew Guava Box largely was through blogging and a lot of content production and like the the typical content offer blogging type of way. On the do inbound side, Dimmer, we've grown the audience a lot on, by using podcasts and we've really gone hardcore into the podcasting realm. So we're using Podbean as uh, kind of the backbone of our. That's our podcast hosting service and that's where we get our podcast analytics from. Dimmer, you want to walk through? um, the, as as you're managing the podcast campaigns, the tools that we use to produce it and then also to track the performance.
0: Yeah, definitely. So the podcasting, if we start at the beginning, we run our interviews, whether it's a guest coming on or like gray and I just chatting right now, this is all run through Skype. So we are, we're on the phone on Skype. We use an add on called call recorder and call recorder is great because it records just the audio and it records the video if you have got video on so you can use that to make a a nice youtube video if you're going to try to make a video podcast or you can just axe the video use the audio and it records it in two tracks so when you're going to post you can if my mic's a little low gray's mic's a little hot you know you can regulate those levels right there So that spits out an MOV file. I convert those MOVs to MP3s so that we can edit them inside of Audition, which is part of the Adobe Creative Suite. That's our audio editing tool in there. And once we go through Audition, we get the level set, we add the intro and outro, a sponsorship block if we've got one in there. Uh, We then render that as an MP3. And then once it's rendered, it's ready to be uploaded into our podcast host. And the podcast host is kind of like a blog host where you just upload files to a website and it creates a RSS feed. And we use Podbean because we we needed multiple channels for all of our different shows. So we've got four different shows that we're running, and Podbean gives us five channels in our account to manage all those different shows. So we basically have five different RSS feeds, and then we we upload them to iTunes and then sync sync them to um, all the other podcasting tools out there where people get their podcasts. But it all runs off of that one base URL, that RSS feed right there. Um, And then another element to the show is all the show art that goes with it. Every episode has its own unique uh, piece of show art. So what we do is we, we have a template folder inside of Dropbox. We clone that folder for every new episode. We give it an episode number and an episode name. And inside that folder is a subfolder called Artwork. And inside that artwork folder is a PSD of our show art. And then we just go in there and we customize the title, the show number, uh, whatever it might be. Depending on the show, every show art's a little bit different. And then once that's done, we can then upload that image with our MP3 audio file into Podbean. And we can either publish it right away or we can schedule it out into the future. And that creates an MP3 link for us right there. And then we take that and inside of the nifty little... uh, blog post template that Gray built us inside of HubSpot. We have a a podcast player built into that. So the MP3 that Podbean spits out goes into that player. So when you're reading show notes on the blog, you can also play back the the show right there. So that's kind of an overview of the tool stack there. Pretty straightforward. Once you understand how to use the different things, it's a pretty streamlined process. Uh, But having a system in place to organize all of that has been a lifesaver, Gray.
1: Yeah, that has saved a ton of time. It sounded really complex as you were walking through it, and then to realize like we can have this done by the time you're done walking through it because exactly. there's a there's a slick process in place. Is it's pretty awesome. Someone needs to build a much better tool for podcast analytics. So we're not using that right now, but when you build it, please let us know. Amen. Let's uh a couple other ones on the list here. I mean there's uh, there's so many that we could dive into. Let's go with um chat through one that we use this is uh gonna fall into sales as well but we use uh drift for front-end website chat right now so I, i think that i've seen more and more agencies starting to go to this as well but um some folks david cancel um one of the one of the former uh hubspot product guys he and elias um another hubspot guy left HubSpot, they started a company called Drift. They've recruited a ton of HubSpotters. <laughs> and uh, anyways, they're building out an awesome tool for interfacing with your prospects, with your customers, with your audience um, through live chat. Is I think, kind of the primary use that most people are using this for right now. So we have that on a few pages on the website. Um, so that's a prospect engagement tool that we're using. that syncs up really well with HubSpot. Um, so some of the other things that we use in the stack here on the marketing side of things we do some video stuff and there's a bunch of tools out there for that can you walk us through the how we edit like create edit and then uh, and then market video
0: yeah definitely two I mean there's two different styles of video we use here we use uh, in-person video and we use just screen flow or like screencast videos and for the screencast stuff, We're usually doing like software walkthroughs or we're doing uh, like going through an educational deck. So like a webinar or something like that, Uh, recording that stuff through ScreenFlow, which is a great, great tool for Mac. Um, I mean, Camtasia used to be cool, they said, for PCs. I don't know if anyone has any update on that, but we don't really have any PCs here in the family. So (laughs) we're in ScreenFlow all the time. Uh, That's what we used to record there. And... For the in-person stuff, we my tool stack for that is I've got a um, I'm pulling it over here right now. It's an uh, Eaton Productions. It's a like a lapel mic that plugs into my iPhone. That's awesome. Um, I've also got a a Tascam. What number is this guy? This is an audio recorder. Um, it, and you can plug a lapel into the Tascam as well um, that's got a little bit of a longer cord. So if you're doing something farther away from your camera, you can check, you can use that if you want to separate your audio. To be honest, I've had the best luck just re- plugging, plugging the lapel right into the iPhone and recording video on the iPhone because it's, it's quick, it's fast. Yeah, you know, the iPhone has really good video and I'm really excited to get the seven gray and try that out. Um, but Amen that's, to that. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we do the video. And then we take it and i do all my editing inside of final cut just the apple product um i've never gotten into premiere uh with as much as we use the rest of the adobe suite i kind of wish i did uh, but i'm you know i'm an old i'm an old uh final cut guy so it's hard to break that habit and it, it's great it's a workhorse gives me all that i need to to customize our videos get them up get them out get them compressed um and then we host everything on wistia if it's marketing stuff if it's uh, you know inside of our educational courses inside of our onboarding at doinbound uh in our lead nurturing workflows at guava box we've got a ton of wistia videos in there just doing whiteboard teaching uh, so that's kind of the video stack that we use and the big thing with video is just get it up get it out you know you don't need thousands and thousands of dollars worth of gear you know a basic lighting kit is really helpful. The lighting kit I got is just on Amazon. It's like 150 bucks. Fantastic. Like you should definitely get that. If you're into video, just hit over to Amazon, um, Google photography, light kit or video light kits, get a like two front facing one behind you really eliminates the shadow as well. I have a backdrop as well. that I got on Amazon as well. Uh, so once you start, you know, going through the video gear on Amazon, you see stuff popping up there and that's definitely where I would start on the video side of things. Gray, you don't need thousands and thousands of dollars in your budget anymore. We all have these tools and can make stuff happen.
1: It really is pretty simple. I mean, you can get pretty high quality out of a really cheap, uh, really inexpensive investment. So it's not may not be studio, but very few of us actually need studio, and uh, and I think that it that it works really well. A couple other tools that we use um, so I'll run through a couple of these one that I use on the social media side. So for social publishing and monitoring, we use HubSpot for the most part. I use a tool called Start a Fire, um, which I'll let you guys check out if you're not familiar with that one before for uh, for some of the tweets that I'm sharing and it integrates with HubSpot as well. On the, uh, Demar, I think one tool that might be interesting to hear your perspective on is lead pages because we do have a lead pages account. Obviously, use that on some client work um, and have yeah. done that more in the past. It's not a, that's not every HubSpot customer who we're working with uses lead pages. But how do we use it to augment HubSpot in some cases? The
0: big win for lead pages is getting stuff up and out quickly. Like they have a great feature set, great templates in there, it's easy to get stuff out. We're primarily using lead pages for their lead box feature. And what lead box is, for those who aren't familiar, it gives you a link when you click the link right on the page. A pop up comes in with, um, you know, form fields so they can put their name, email, select the persona box right there. That's really nice. And we use it in our guest blogging, we use it on our blog posts. Uh, we use it in some CTAs, like sidebar stuff for the two-step opt-in. It's a phenomenal tool for that, and it's quick and easy to get stuff out. You could probably code that stuff up yourself if you wanted to, but. Uh, and they might be heading that way with lead in gray, but I don't know why HubSpot doesn't have a slick two-step opt-in process. Why everything has to run through a landing page, I don't know. Um, but that's why we love lead pages. And if you want to use HubSpot form code inside of a lead pages, uh, Lead box. It takes some work because when you when you create a HubSpot form, the embed code that it spits out is JavaScript, and most platforms out there and LeadPages is one of them. They accept HTML. Copy and paste HTML if there's not a direct integration. So if you do not have the HubSpot integration on your LeadPages account but you want a HubSpot form in there, just Google HubSpot to lead pages and you'll see a do-inbound blog shows up on the first page of Google there. Click on that and we've got all the instructions that you need and a neat little tool built into that blog post that helps you convert your JavaScript into HTML so that you can put a HubSpot form inside of a lead page's lead box without needing the uh, the integration set up there.
1: Yeah, I think with lead-in, HubSpot is kind of heading down that road, but I don't know why there's so many people are using a lot of these things, and we'll get to I mean, well, we might as well go there right now. Like the exit intent pop-ups, mm-hmm. Leadin finally has that, but you're somewhat limited on the on your ability to do that. So we use a library called um Webounce O U I and bounce all all one word, and we've constructed some uh, custom functionality using that library to help with our exit intent pop-ups. But that kind of stuff has really helped with conversion um, and has not really hurt the bounce rate for uh, for our site pages. So it's kind of funny that HubSpot has just kind of said, like, we're going to ignore that. Landing pages, traditional (laughs) landing pages, and having people click through to go to a landing page and go through this whole process. Even if it's more steps, that's worked for a while. It'll still work if people are interested enough. We're not focusing too much on a lot of this new stuff. So I think it's just part of they're obviously trying to build out a lot of different products and lead in seems to be starting to go that direction just with not a ton of of, uh, customization ability right now so that one's been interesting to see speaking of trying to get people to convert um, on the really both sides of things both uh, do inbound and guava box we don't get a lot of inbound calls from prospects we don't even have a number out there on the do inbound site we may still have our number out there on the guava box site but um, but if you are trying to track calls coming in, CallRail is an awesome solution for call tracking. Obviously, some people have just used Google Voice, and there's a, a ton of solutions out there. But CallRail is one that we've used in the past. We've used with customer accounts as well, and that's worked really well.
0: One cool – can I chime in here? Absolutely. One cool benefit of CallRail that I didn't realize until I started using it on one client account, we were running a lot of Google ads for a client, like bottom of the funnel, decision stage Google ads. And the call rail recordings were really cool as like persona interviews, essentially, because you could hear the language that your decision stage prospects were using on those calls. And that was really helpful for just constructing copy and using their own words in the copy. Like That's a powerful uh, psychological trigger is just collecting the verbiage that your prospects use. Uh, So that's another benefit of call rail, not just to like, keep track of your salespeople and listening to the, uh, the language that they're using and monitoring your conversion rates on ads and stuff, but also using those recordings as like data mining for vocabulary right from the mouth of your prospect. It's pretty
1: powerful. That is really nice. So Dimmer, we're 20 minutes in. I'm going to hit on a couple more here quickly. Cut me off wherever you want to add something in, but we'll run through these last couple ones kind of quickly. We use, as you might expect, we use Do Inbound to stay organized on the marketing side of things. All of our activities that are happening marketing-wise are being tracked inside of campaigns, inside of Do Inbound. And uh, we could probably do a whole episode on how that all gets broken down, and we in the, the kind of the life cycle that we uh, go through and how we're running campaigns right now. Um, we use, for creating content and just kind of checking ourselves, we use Hemingway, HemingwayApp.com. To uh, copy our blog text that we've written, paste it in there, and uh, that highlights any errors that we've made, any any sections that we need to pay attention to and improve moving forward. So that's another tool that we use just to help us on the copywriting side of things. We use Zapier to connect all kinds of services together. So there are a million different examples that we could get into, but when someone takes an action here. What does that trigger somewhere else when someone comes through uh, as a lead triggering a Slack message um, and sales follow-up, that kind of thing, is in place using Zapier. And then as you would probably expect and you're probably using as well, we use Google Docs, Google Sheets, Google Slides for a ton of stuff. Um, There's all kinds of uh, different tracking uh, spreadsheets and a marketing competition spreadsheet um so that just kind of is a initial point for a lot of what we do, a lot of our initial planning will happen in there and then get sent out into the different apps as we uh or completely organized and, and planned out inside do inbound um as we as we move forward. Anything you'd add in there, Dimmer?
0: You missed my favorite marketing tool,
1: which is the whiteboard drilled into my wall right now. Whiteboard is the step right before Google Docs or Google Sheets. <laughs> hey, Iteration man. one
0: yeah can't beat it for idea capture
1: cool i agree with you 100 percent. love a good whiteboard let's uh let's go ahead and wrap this guy up right here we're 20 plus minutes into this episode Uh, guys thanks for sticking with us on the marketing side if you have any questions about how we use these tools specifically i would want to hear more about any of that or any suggestions to offer the community let us know you can hit us up on twitter Andrew is at Andrew J. Dembski I am at S. Gray McKenzie you can catch us via email you can catch us in the show notes the show notes are located at doinbound.com slash podcast you can grab us there and uh, we'll be back next week talking about our sales stack the tools that we're using there so we will chat with you here soon and over the course of the next week keep moving forward improving your marketing Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency
0: Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.